Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name is Riley Johnson and I am joined as always by my co-host Rob Leonard. Rob, how are we doing tonight? We are doing great. My uh, heart has finally calmed down a little bit after Saturday's thrilling victory in Boone. So uh, excited to be back on the podcast and excited for my body to uh, get acclimated back to normal here. Absolutely. That was quite the thriller on Saturday. And uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, you were well aware of uh, what went down in Boone. And uh, I want to apologize first, because normally we do a Sunday podcast. I don't know if uh, this will come across, but my voice is still a little iffy. But Rob and I just simply could not do the podcast. We were in Boone and uh, we did a lot of yelling. So we apologize. But here we are for a 45 minute show a day late. And uh, we're, we're glad you're still joining us. So let's just hop right into it, Rob. Uh, Wake Forest, quite frankly, did not deserve to win that game on Saturday, but we, we clawed and we scratched our way to a 20-19 to victory after Scotty Washington blocked field goal with less than 10 seconds remaining. Uh, the Demon Deacons are now 4-0 for the second year in a row. First time in school history that Wake Forest has done that, and uh, they have a pretty big matchup looming against Florida State this weekend at 3.30, which will be on national television. Um, so... I guess, Rob, what are your overall thoughts about the Wake Forest-Appalachian State game? Because the, the, the stats, if you just look at it from, uh, I guess, an eagle-eye viewpoint, Appalachian State ran 94 plays for 489 yards uh, compared to Wake Forest 70 plays for 338 yards. And if you look at all the five factors, uh, App State won three out of the five fairly convincingly. We tied in turnover margin, and then Wake Forest dominated in the points per possession inside the 40. Uh, what are your overall thoughts about the game just from a 1,000-foot viewpoint? Uh, from a 1,000 feet, I would say, you know, I, I agree with you. I think we were very fortunate to win, um, and I thought we had some timely things go go well for us, and, you know, we can get into more detail um, late, later if you want, but I think, uh, you know, some of the yards are a little bit misleading, um, not necessarily in terms of, of total yards, but in, in terms of our drives. I, I don't know exactly what we average per drive, but that average is such a, a misleading number because of what our standard deviation was. We, we either had 70-plus yard drives um, where we were able to finish for the most part with, with either touchdowns or um, – or, or field goals, or we were a three and out. I think one time we got a first down on the on the first play and didn't get out. But I, I thought the difference in the game was special teams and, and discipline. And, you know, those don't necessarily show up in, in some of those factors. And, and App State cost themselves a lot of points, um, you know. And, you know, we were fortunate to come away with a victory. But I, I think that was a great test for our team. That was a, a great environment in Boone, set a record for attendance uh, at that stadium. The, the students were, were involved, and, um, you know, I think this gives us great confidence moving forward. We've now, you know, won two road games already, and uh, while Boston College was, uh, you know, impressive to, to win an ACC road game, I thought the environment in, in Boone was uh, clearly head and shoulders above that environment and, you know, excited that our players came away with a victory without playing their best football. 
Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree with pretty much all of that. To to answer your question, Wake average, we had, let's see, 14 drives. We had ten, uh, nine drives that resulted in three and outs, one drive that was a first down, and then we went three and out right after that. So not really a three and out, but a four-play, five-play drive, if you count the punt. Um, and then four possessions that ended in two touchdowns and two field goals. So that's how we got our 20. And the biggest difference was the seven points that Appalachian State left on the board, uh, or off the board, I should say, from their special team. Obviously, Wendell Dunn blocked the extra point in the first quarter after App State scored a touchdown. Um, they missed a field goal as time ran out at halftime. And then, obviously, the big one, Scotty Washington, blocked the field goal as time expired. So that was seven points that they left on the board, which allowed Wake Forest to overcome that 151-yard differential and also an 11-minute deficit in time of possession. Um, you know, I'm not as big on time of possession as some people are. I think if you have a quick strike offense like Baylor has in the past, Oregon, uh, to an extent, even North Carolina, uh, then, then you can win a lot with explosive plays. But Wake Forest relies a lot, especially this year, on staying on schedule, which means you're getting 50% of your yards on first down, 70% on second down, and 100% on third down. And in this game, Wake Forest had a success rate of 34% compared to App State's 37%. So losing the success rate battle, losing the field uh, position battle by a lot, I believe our field uh, positioning was, I think we started the 21-yard line compared to App State's 30. Um, their punter did an excellent job of pinning us deep three or four times uh, that caused some long drives. Um, but, I mean, you look at a stat sheet like this, and it's one of those where it's amazing we were able to come out with a victory. And uh, I think this is a testament to Dave Clawson and the staff. While I was a little surprised that, uh, I guess not really our scheme, but how good Appalachian State looked at the skill position, uh, Taylor Lame is a very, very good quarterback. I believe that was his 40th consecutive start, um, well, 40th career start at App State, which is a hell of a lot of starts. Um, so that's basically three and a half seasons worth already. Uh, he, he looked outstanding. And what, what, were, what were your thoughts about the, the position, the skill position talent that App State had compared to Wake? Was it part of our scheme on the defensive side to allow them to get those out routes and underneath plays without getting beat over the top? Or, or did you think that the talent that App State had on offense was maybe superior to what Wake had on defense, as strange as that sounds? Um, yeah, I mean, I thought they're a talented team, particularly, you know, yes, they are in the Sun Belt, but, but they've had a, a very impressive um, program, and, and they've had great success in that league. And so even though they are in the Sun Belt, they, they do have talent. And I thought they're, the underneath routes were very frustrating. I, I guess that was schemed to avoid getting beat over the top, though I would have liked to have seen us play a little bit tighter on them. I thought when we did get beat over the top for the most part, um, Apps, apps players, we had reasonable coverage. Apps players just made some unbelievable catches. I, I know, uh, I think Hennigan's his name. He made that unbelievable catch with his left hand um, to get to yep. the 25, to get to the 25 yard line there towards the beginning of the first quarter or the fourth quarter. They had another player who made a, a really nice catch over the middle for, for a big gain and sort of a, a jump ball situation. Um, and it looked like they did a really nice job. Um, in terms of, you know, getting some of those stretch runs with, with, with Moore and some of their guys. So I, I think they're good at the skill position players. And then in terms of their quarterback, um, you know, I, I think he's good. I, I think what, what really impresses me the most about him is just what – he doesn't make any mistakes. You could tell 
that he had played a lot of football, was very aware of what the situation was, was, was quick to evade pressure when it came, would get rid of it, um, and, and really didn't put himself in risk of, of too many interceptions uh, throughout, throughout the day. So I, I think that's one thing to be aware of moving forward. We, we've been able to feast on some of these inexperienced quarterbacks in previous games. Um, and that, that could be somewhat problematic moving forward. But I, I was very impressed by their, their skill position players um, yeah. overall. I don't know if they're go, – go on. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say I completely agree with you. And uh, I, obviously from a recruiting standpoint, I think Wake Forest has the advantage over the past five years. Um, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but it's clear that Scott Satterfield is doing a fantastic job of getting guys in state um, that maybe are overlooked. I know Wake Forest looked at Hennigan because I think he's out of Northwest Guilford, uh, but he's one of those guys that maybe – you know, we said uh, thanks, but no thanks from, you know, we've got other guys that we're targeting outside the state. But, you know, App State gets those guys, coaching them up. And that guy's a freshman, and he played extremely well. Um, but I thought it was interesting because due to some an injury, uh, well, I guess he had dehydration uh, issues, Amari Henderson. We had a, a, a couple of times in the fourth quarter, two true freshman cornerbacks out there, and we weren't really shielding them at all. We were leaving them on an island to help uh, – allowed Jesse Bates and Cameron Glenn come up and run support two or three times. Jasir Taylor and Kobe Davis um, stepped up and made big plays. Uh, I think Kobe Davis had that play that he should have maybe intercepted it on, I think the third and 16, right before the pass interference call or the one they got down the field, the next play. Um, but I, I was very impressed with the, the poise and the faith that our coaching staff had in our two true freshman cornerbacks. Cause I thought that that was a, a big difference in the game. Um, but kind of looking overall, I think it's maybe just a strategy of the staff that they still want to kind of play back on defense. We are letting them beat us underneath. And if you look at the two big plays, I think one was a double reverse flea flicker. The other was not necessarily a trick play, but it was, uh, you know, maybe a zone read where we misread something. Bates fell down, I think. And then we just missed a tackle. And um, they, they've got a guy in uh, Terrence Upshaw, but he's actually the backup running back who has unreal speed. So um, it's interesting that they're able to get those kind of guys um, to, to go to Boone there. But I, I thought App State looked, not, I thought we were the better coach team, but at times, whether or not it was a combination of our scheme and letting them do what they wanted to, I thought they looked like they had the superior athletes to us, which is, I guess, interesting and maybe a little bit frightening. Um, but that kind of brings me to my next point. Uh, we had several questions come in asking about the play calling towards the end of the game for Wake Forest. Uh, we got the ball back with around two minutes left, and they had three timeouts, but a first down would have won it. I believe we Bates caught the punt at the 11-yard line, um, and there were some concerns maybe, I guess, about running the ball three straight times when you get down to a third and fourth situation, and, you know, you've got Wolford who can roll out. And at that point, if, if I'm – the offense coordinator for Wake Forest, I want to cause as much hesitation in their defense as possible. I don't want to run a zone read where they can just go all downhill and just focus on two guys. I want to spread them out a little bit, get the run pass option, and then maybe bootleg Wolford out so that they have to stop and think for a split second, which maybe allows uh, a, a run up the middle for Wolford or getting it to the boundary um, to, to Dorch or Hines or somebody, uh, Scotty Washington. Uh, what, what, what were – did you have any problem with the, the play calling down the stretch or did you think that it, it was conservative to a point of being aggressive or were you okay with it? Um, I didn't, I didn't really have any problem with with the first two, with the first two plays. I mean, I, I think that that's a, that's a situation where 
you know, you want you almost don't want to get a first down on the first play um, because then it's it's basically you just killed ten seconds. Um, I guess I could have to you know call a little bit more timeout, but I, I think on third down I, I would have liked to have seen us you know throw the ball. I, I would have liked to have seen and. and you know, I'm not saying take a shot down the middle, but it was third and four. I thought we did a nice job on the first two, first two plays, get, making them burn two timeouts, getting to third and, and very manageable. And, and look, we probably should have been able to run three times to get ten yards. Um, I yeah. would, probably would have preferred to see Bird in there, um, since I think you know he moves his legs a little bit better and he, he's more powerful, um, especially if you're not concerned about pass protection. Um, I think that's that's his biggest weakness right now, but. I, you know, you have Cam Serenay. He's a very reliable target, though he had a bad drop in, in this game. But he's a very reliable target. Yeah. You got, you know, you, you have Dorch. You can maybe even go with Hines and Dorch on the field at the, at the same time if you're just looking to get five yards. Um, and as you mentioned, an RPO. I thought looked like we won a zone read. I thought Wolford made the the right call because it looked like the defensive end had had Wolford, um, you know. Ready. He he stayed at home and he did not bite on on the inside. Look look to um, look to Colburn. So I, I would have liked to have seen us go for it though. It, it did prove to be advantageous on App's final drive when they had to spike the ball and couldn't advance the ball um, any closer um, and, and did not have that timeout. But I, I would have liked to have seen us been a little bit more aggressive there. Yeah, and you know, watching the end of the game, uh, I think that's one of those where it's. We'll just have to be team results instead of team process because I thought we should have shown a little more faith in the offense to try to get the first down. But I also thought App made an interesting call. Um, I remember talking, I believe, to either you or Jake at the game after we jumped off sides uh, or Wendell Dunn en- encroached on App State's guy. I know they didn't have a timeout left, but they were 10 seconds. They could have easily run an out route or done something. Lamb is very good at throwing the ball away. I don't see any downside to really trying to get a little closer. Um, I believe their, their kicker had made. 15 out of their last seven, his last 17, but he already had one blocked and he'd already um, missed one to the left uh, earlier at the half. So at that point, you, I don't care how good your kicker is. You can't feel extremely confident in a 45 yard to win it. And then a 39 yarder to win it. Um, I guess if you take that, if you're apt, you probably would take that before the game. But at that point in time, I think they could have run another play um, to, to try to get closer. I don't really see a downside to that, but um, that's just personal preference. You want to make sure, um, at that point, I guess it's first down, so if it gets blocked, and yeah, I guess you can take another one or something like that. But if you get back on it, but it's it's interesting that uh, they decided not to uh, move the ball. Uh, a little further, but the big thing that I thought broke the game out in the second half was just being aggressive. They pinned us down on the three-yard line, and instead of running the ball like we would usually do in that situation, what do we do? We I don't even know if we PA'd it. We just dropped straight back, and he uh, Wolford threw a dart to Scotty Washington, who found a gap in the seam, and we picked up 45 yards. That not only flipped the field at that point, but, I mean, it allowed us to go down and eventually score a touchdown. Um, I wonder if the staff will take a look at the second half and realize, hey, we've got a lot of weapons weapons um and maybe we can open the playbook up a little bit more especially as we head into florida state uh, do you think that there will be any change there do you think we're going to continue to um be a heavy run first team that just relies on defense and special teams throughout the entire season um you know i would say i i think we were somewhat aggressive honestly in the first half offensively i mean i you know in rewatching the game um that second drive after we, we had gotten the field goal, I mean, we, we started that off with a, with a deep shot 
uh, to Wade on first down. It, it didn't work. And then I thought, you know, we, we tried to throw the ball a number of times. On the third drive, I'm looking – it was a somewhat, you know, poorly thrown, a little bit behind Cortez Lewis. Probably still should have dropped it. Not that it was a deep shot. And, and then we missed Dorch. Then Wolford missed Dorch pretty badly on a sideline throw on the fourth drive from what I'm seeing. So, and then on the, on the final drive, um, you know, Serenay was – could have been a 30-yard reception. Oh, yeah, that was awful. Field goal range. Who, who, I mean, that was just – that was a terrible drop. He had room to run. I don't think he would have scored, uh, but he had some room to run. So, I, I, you know, I think part of that is just we didn't catch the ball. Um, yeah. So, we, we were a little bit, you know, conservative uh, from that standpoint. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think we need to be aggressive. In, in terms of going against Florida State – I think we're going to maybe need some big plays. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen by beating them over the top, but I do think we're going to need to be aggressive. And we can talk about this later, but I think we're going to need to be aggressive in terms of uh, fourth down and and red zone play calling um, in order to beat Florida State on on Saturday. But, you know, I I think, look, you look at that, you you talk about the drive where we we hit Scotty Washington, um, and that was a huge play um, just in terms of field position alone on that play. And then, Maybe the next play or several plays later, Dorch makes that unbelievable grab. Just shows that it's not all about height; it's how athletic are you, how high up can you oh, yeah. get. And he, he made a sensation. He made a sensational catch, and and that's something where it's like, guys, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Um, if you got a guy who can do that, he's going to make some coach look really smart uh, when when you can make those kind of. So I thought, you know, part of it was just we we made better plays, and I thought we had. And looking at it, um, I think the, the first drive in particular of the game, I thought we had really good protection and not sure we necessarily had that uh, during, during some of the other drives. So I think part of it's just a little bit of a combination of uh, the process could probably be a little bit better, but I thought uh, execution was a little poor on, on some of those drives as well. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Uh, the first half was just poor by our receivers and Wolford for the most part. I mean, I thought – I think it, it, it just – is easy to and lazy analysis to blame the coach, um, the coaching and the strategy in that. Oh, yeah. uh, first, first of all, let, let's give kudos to App State. They're, they have a 32nd ranked defense in S&P Plus, so it's not like we were playing the 100th ranked defense. And uh, last year, if we'd gone against a team like that early in the season, we would have just, I mean, shelled up from the beginning. So our offense has moved, I think, up to 79th and the S&P ranking, I think we started around 100, and it, we are going against the top 35 defense. When you combine that with a bunch of drops, you know, is 20 points overly impressive? I, not really, but, uh, I mean, we ran 70 plays. It was enough to get the job done, and I guess my main concern moving forward is that it's going to take a while for us to realize that maybe our offense is a little better, uh, and, and we're going to continue to shell up, and when the going gets tough, we tend to just run it and be overly conservative and rely on our defense when, yes, it's a very good defense. Yes, we have good special teams, but you know it, it's a three-sector game, and we need all three to be uh, clicking to beat most of the teams in the ACC, quite frankly. We don't have the – I don't mean this – to be negative towards our players, but there's a talent deficit between Wake Forest and teams like Louisville, Florida State, Clemson, um, where we, we can't have a quarter like, like we had in the second quarter against Florida State next week and hope to win the game. Um, so I think it's a combination, and I apologize for the lazy just analysis of, hey, we need to be more aggressive because there are more factors to it than that, opposing defense, what they're doing, the flow of the game. But um, I just think overall we can learn a few things uh, that you know maybe we can go down, take some shots, and 
uh, and those things will work out, and that could be the difference in winning a, a game against a top-tier team like Clemson in two weeks or something like that. Um, but I thought a good point that you brought up, and we got this question from Adam Bridgers, one of our riders, and this was another thing that people were talking about, uh, just really the running back situation overall. Uh, Kate Carney came out and looked really good in the first drive. I know he's been banged up. He missed a little bit of last week. Um, maybe partly due to the fumble, partly due to, I think he banged his ribs up, maybe lower leg contusion, something like that. Um, but after that, I don't think we saw any of them. And I haven't seen the snaps for the game yesterday or on Saturday, but I think that will come out tomorrow. So I'll write my usual article on that and kind of break it down a little more. But I mean, Arkeen Burtis looked very, very good. And um, I think with the current blocking that we have, we need guys who can hit the gas and maybe explode past it. And he probably has a, he definitely has the third, fourth gear that um, Carney and Colburn don't have. But once again, as you pointed out, there's the pass blocking issue where, you know, freshmen aren't notoriously good known for pass blocking. It takes a while to pick up guys and hitting defensive ends from Clemson and even App State's not the same as hitting guys from, uh, you know, whatever high school you went to. So what, what, what are your your viewpoints on the running back? Do you think Arkeem Bird needs to be, quote unquote, elevated? Do you think he's getting the right amount of carries? Or uh, do you think the current breakdown and the usage of running back is, uh, I guess, acceptable in your mind. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him get some more carries. I mean, I think he's he's strong. He's not just a speed back. He's, he's strong. He's powerful. I mean, he, when you watch him play, you see his legs. They just keep moving, and he falls forward, and he doesn't really dance too much. I mean, he's, he's a patient back, I think, and, um, you know, I'm excited about him. One thing I would just like to see in general is I know we're going with tempo, and I know offensively, if you don't substitute, then the defense can't substitute. And, you know, you can have an advantage that way by taking advantage of matchups. But I think on some of these long drives, I, I think you can get gassed, especially when you're having the running backs go out at, at wide receiver at times, even if they're not running the longest routes down the field. I, I just think it would probably be, a, you know, a net positive if, if we subbed in some backs, um, you know, Midway, midway through a drive. Now, maybe it's a lot easier from a play-calling standpoint. I don't know, but I, I would like to see, I guess, a little bit more variety. And it, it doesn't always make sense who we throw out there, though. I will say, well, I, you know, I guess with, with Coney being banged up, it, it may not matter, um, be worth taking into as much. But you saw Bird out there the first drive of the fourth quarter. So I think uh, I, I think he's going to start to get his, his name called more. He didn't break any. Um, like he did against against Utah State, but I thought he had some some pretty powerful runs um, where, where he got some good yards a, after contact against App State. So I was, I was so impressed by how he performed, and, and I think yeah. he's only going to get better as the year goes along. And it's pretty interesting. I just looked at uh, – I was going to kind of make a case based on the rushes, but interestingly enough, Arkeem Bird leads their running backs in rushes with 38. Um, Colburn and Carney both have 36. But if you look at the yard per carry, Arkeem Bird is sitting at 6.1 compared to Matt Colburn's 4.1 and Kate Carney's 3.4. Um, one of the interesting things is – and this isn't exactly an uh, exact science, but there's an opportunity rate, which basically – is the amount of time that the line gives your running back a chance to get, I think, to the 
uh, either the three or the five yard mark um, without getting touched, basically getting past the original line of scrimmage. But Arkeen Bird's uh, opportunity rate is sitting at 40%, while Colburn's is down at 28 and Carney's is at 31%. So for whatever reason, maybe it's the way we're handing it off. Um, I know we tend to do a lot of the running in place and the zone reads, especially with Colburn and Carney. Um, whatever we're doing with Bird is helping from a an upfront standpoint like uh he's getting better opportunities to run the ball and his highlight yard per opportunity is outstanding as well at 7.5 which basically means when he gets a chance to run five yards he's getting basically 10 12 yards every single time and which makes sense because he's very explosive and quick um but it does seem based on just i guess anecdotal evidence um that colburn is the only guy we feel overly comfortable confident in sending out to catch passes like he was on the I think the outside two or three times and it looks like Colburn Carney and Bird have been targeted six times total and uh, they've actually caught all six of them so that's interesting but um, I, I guess we we have certain sets that we want guys in but we we don't ever sub like you said so I know on one of the drives I think it was either the one of the touchdown drives we had, Matt Colburn was exhausted. I think it, they scored both their touchdowns right in front of us. So I think it was the first one um, that it might have been, I guess it was the 97-yard drive. But he was just exhausted. He ran it three or four times. He pass blocked. He caught a ball. And then he, I mean, his hands were on his knees. He he could barely run. And I think we ran one play where we didn't even PA or anything. We just ran a, a slant route. But And he didn't do anything. But those are the cases where I want to see, I want to see him sub down and get another guy in there if we've got three capable guys so uh, that would be my biggest thing so yes I want to give Bird more carries but I mean he leads the team in carries now aside from Wolford um, which I guess is another question like is Wolford running it too much do, I mean do you think do you think that's a problem there where we're opening him up for injury or do you think he's taking what he's getting uh, I, I'd probably like to see us run it with him a little bit less, and, and I do remember one play in particular against uh, against App where I, it's not that he ran the ball because he got a, a decent game, but he was in the middle of the field. He wasn't going to uh, evade this this person. He needed to, to slide. Um, instead, he yeah. took a hit, and you know he didn't miss any time for it. But you know those things build up, and now against. Florida State, uh, that, that's where you really need to be careful. That's where you go against guys who are um, really just, honestly, from another planet, some of their defensive line, especially Clemson's. Clemson has to have the best defensive line in the country, and, and those yeah, guys Dexter are, Lawrence are, are, are in a, NFL size, um, yeah. all pro NFL size. So yeah. um, I worry about it. I, I think those are games where, honestly, against Clemson, where I think you, you – probably for Wake, you should not run your normal offense um, because I think Wolford's health is is too important um, in terms of think about what we have remaining. I'm not saying, you know, change everything, um, and I'm not saying, you know, quit and forfeit, uh, but I think you've got to be smart and not just view that as, as one Saturday afternoon. You've got, you got to think about the ramifications of that game, even if we do have the bye. Yeah, I think sliding is very important. I don't think he's necessarily getting too many carries because our offense is predicated around having a, a running and mobile quarterback, and I feel fine with Hinton in there. I think Wolford has done a fantastic job so far. Eight touchdowns, no picks, 4% sack rate. He's yet to take a sack on a passing down, which is pretty outstanding through four games, and he's also our leading rusher with three touchdowns. So, I mean, he has 11 
touchdowns accounted for and zero turnovers. That's outstanding. You can't ask really for more than that, um, especially with what we do on our offense. But we need him in there. We need him to slide. We need him to not take those hits. And uh, hopefully he continues to do that. Um, but let's kind of wrap up here. We've got through the first four games, finally. And heading into this, we were rated 64th preseason S&P rankings. We're now up to 35th, an improvement of 29 spots, one of the highest percentile improvements in the nation. Um, we're 79th on offense. We started at 97th. We're 16th on defense, where we started at 26th. Um, those are big improvements as well. The preseason win projection total and the over-under was five and a half in Vegas, and the preseason win projection for Wake was right at five. I think it was like 5.2 or 5.3, so right between five and 5.5. Um, now, obviously, we were at 4-0, and oh, and the preseason projected win total through four games was 2.64. So basically, it was a toss-up between – um, whether or not we were going to be three and one or two and two, we exceeded all expectations so far. But I think if we learned anything from this past weekend, there's still a lot of things that we need to address. And we are headed into one hell of a stretch on our schedule. Rob, where do you think we stand right now um, after these four games with regards to obviously the record is great, but um, do you feel better about our odds to make a bowl, maybe get to seven, eight, even nine wins? Um, or do you think there's still a lot of weaknesses and deficiencies that are going to prevent us from ultimately making this an overly special season. I think our biggest weakness is, uh, well, our offense is better than I anticipated. I, I will say that. And our defense, um, I'm still not sure about our defense. I, I know we've had four games, but I'm, I'm still not entirely sure about our defense. Um, I'd like to see our defensive line convert on more sacks. Uh, to be honest with you, that was a little bit frustrating to watch. Um, on on Saturday and, and in previous games, but I, I think as much of a gap as we've closed, we still have a, a very large gap. We had a very large gap to close. Obviously, uh, couldn't have asked for a better start in terms of being four and zero, and for the most part, played. You know, three of those games were never in question. Um, I think, you know, Florida State, Clemson. Still ridiculously talented, even though Florida State's 0-2. Louisville more winnable. Georgia Tech more winnable. I think Notre Dame's a little bit less winnable. Um, but Duke's looking better. So, all of a sudden, that's looking like a harder game at the end of the season. Um, NC State, you know, very impressive performance against Florida State uh, the, the other day. So, uh, you know, I think we've closed the gap there. I think we're, we're favored on S&P Plus. But um, cautiously optimistic, but – um, you know, still would, would not guarantee a bowl, but a, a bowl bird at, at this point, though. You know, I feel like we have a reasonable chance to uh, knock off one of the teams in the middle of our schedule, um, whereas before the season, I, I didn't really think that was possible. I was thinking we probably needed to win six out of the seven games against the first four games of our schedule in the last three games of our schedule. Yeah, and just kind of touching on that, Bill Connolly at uh... – Football Study Hall, which outstanding website. I would recommend everybody go and check out Wake's advanced statistical profile. I think that brings a lot to it and kind of helps uh, characterize and contextualize the season and kind of what's going on. Um, it gives us a 90.4% chance of finishing six and six or better. Uh, and while we are projected to lose each of the next five games, um, Florida State at Clemson by at Georgia Tech, Louisville at Notre Dame, uh, we're still expected to win 1.5 of those games out of five because obviously there are no – Yes, each game is a win or a loss, but if you have a 20% chance in five games, then, you know, that adds up to one win out of five, um, which I think is a better way of kind of breaking it down. Um, 
it's just it's ridiculous how much better the Atlantic is than the coastal. Um, and I mean, I, this isn't I'm not going to complain about it, but you get Florida State, you get we're at Clemson. I mean, this is one of the most favorable ones we could hope for, and it's still just Florida State at Clemson at Tech, who has proven to be a good crossover team this year. Louisville, so we get two out of the big three at home in the Atlantic, but then we're still traveling to Notre Dame, traveling to Syracuse, and then State's good this year, who obviously just knocked off Florida State in Tallahassee. Um, I mean, it's disappointing. The worst team that we're playing the rest of our schedule is at Syracuse, who is at the same ranking that App State was, who has now moved up to 44. So, I mean, if if you're thinking that the App State game was a close one, well, well, get used to it. We're going to play a lot of close games against a lot of really, really good teams moving forward, um, and that's just the nature of the beast. But it's kind of funny looking at his win percentage um, based on, you know, by how many wins. Nine wins is at 12%, 10 wins, 3%, 11 wins, 1%. So, basically, he's saying there's a 16% chance we win nine or more games and there's only a what 9.6 percent change we don't get to six so that's uh coming into the season if you told me that after four games i would have told you you're crazy and i mean i still think that's a little high for the nine wins but i mean you, you try to figure oh, yeah. out uh, five wins from that maybe add georgia tech louisville and then you know maybe florida state i mean i don't know the odds of winning two out of those three games are weird and then we have to beat duke have to beat state and we have to beat syracuse i mean those are those are all 52 to 61 percent uh, games in our final three and the odds of winning all three of those aren't very good either so i think we're still probably a six or seven win team um but coming into the season i i had us just missing out on the bowl at five and seven so um I'm happy with what we've done so far, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And unfortunately, we have a the hardest schedule in the country, according to the um, Football Predictor Index by ESPN. So it, it's kind of unfortunate that we have a good team and everything coming together on a year that the schedule is just ridiculous. So, it, it, I mean, it is what it is, but um, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. A lot of tough games. There's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. We're just going to have to go play them. So, um any thoughts on, on the overall schedule before we kind of move on to uh, previewing Florida State? Uh, no, I think we covered it. Gotcha. Um, so, obviously, Ed, we wrote an article today. We have the headline that we all expect to see coming into the season. Uh, an undefeated Wake Forest Demon Deacon team will host a winless Florida State Seminole football team um, when they come to Winston-Salem this weekend. Of course, Florida State has had a bizarre season. Uh, they started 0-1 against Alabama, completely understandable. The biggest loss in that game was losing sophomore sensation quarterback DeAndre Francois to a pretty gruesome knee injury. He will now be out the rest of the year um, with Jane Blackman, a true freshman, taking over um, from that. After that game, uh, obviously the hurricane hit Florida, so they canceled the ULM game. That will not be played, so they will have an 11-game season. And then they were supposed to play, I believe, at Miami. That game obviously did not play because I don't think Miami is even back in Coral Gables. So that was actually supposed to be in Tallahassee, it looks like. Um, but that got moved to their bye week, which is now next Saturday, um, after the weight game, but there were some pointed comments by some Florida State players today that were saying, basically, we, we need to win this weekend to show that we're not a scrub, which it may not exactly have been intended as a slight to Wake Forest, but it definitely shows in their mind. They don't really care that we're 4-0. They see Wake Forest, and they, they think, well, we can't lose to a team like Wake. You know, NC State, maybe at home, um, Alabama, clearly nothing wrong there. But, I mean, what do you think – I don't know if you saw those comments, Rob, but what, what do you make of those comments? Do you think it was, they were pointed, or do you think they were just concerned about themselves? And, uh, you know, it just kind of happened to uh, kind of ruminate that they don't really think that highly of a Wake Forest team. 
I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I think you can easily interpret that as, um, you know, just saying, look, we, we don't want to be 0-3. We're better than 0-3. And, and they are better than 0-3. Uh, they're number Absolutely. three in the country in, in, in S&P Plus. So uh, that, that's <laughs> – I was I rarely root for NC State, but I, I, I was um, – or – but I was, uh, you know, rooting for Florida State uh, on uh, on Saturday because I wanted them to, to barely beat State and, and maybe have a little bit of extra confidence in not being um, so so pumped up going to the game. So I'm, I'm not sure if this is necessarily a good spot. Uh, but the betting line has gone down from from ten to seven and a half or so. So I, I guess that's somewhat of somewhat of an encouraging sign. But um, you know, I think some of the last the last time we played. Uh, we played Florida State. I think it might have been a noon game or so, so you sort of catch them sleepwalking uh, a, a little bit. But um, I, I think I think they're going to be ready to go for this game far more than they have been in in previous years because because of the fact that we are four zero and they're zero and two. Yeah, it, it opened at nine and a half according to Vegas Insider. So nine and a half or ten, depending on what you look at, it's already well down to seven and a half. Um, the over under is at forty seven. So um, they're expecting what's that like a 28-21 type game, Vegas and the, the Sharp. Yeah, 28-21 gets you right at 49, um, something in that realm. And it, it's interesting because I am obviously a big stats guy, but in Florida State's case, it, it's a little different because the preseason rankings aren't weighted as an overall system. It's weighted based on how many games you played. So not only has Florida State played two less games than everybody else, so they have a higher preseason weight. Um, DeAndre Francois obviously <laughs> counted into those preseason predictions. So I think you you will see as the season goes on, they would drop a little more than they should. Like say they wind up beating Wake 30 to 23, 30 to 24. They're going to drop from that third spot because they're projected currently to beat us 32 to 18 approximately. It gives Wake a 24% chance. And you're looking at number three in the S&P versus number 35. But realistically, if Florida State had a chance to play a couple more games, with James Blackman as their quarterback, who I'm not insulting him by any stretch, but he's not as good as um, DeAndre Francois, I mean, who, who's got a year under his belt. He's, I think, probably a more talented player at this point in his career. Um, they'd probably be around seventh, eighth, ninth. Obviously, that is still a very, very good football team um, and not one that Wake Forest would even think about taking lightly. Um, but kind of overviewing Florida State a little bit, they, they, they've had some trouble on offense. They, they rank 111th on uh, staying on schedule, success rate. Um, they rank 127 out of 130 in finishing drive at 2.6 points per trip in the 40. Um, and that's kind of interesting because Wake Forest is one of the best teams both offensively and defensively in scoring points in the 40 when they get there, sixth in the nation. And when teams get inside their 40, they're a third in the country at not allowing the team to get points. Um, so obviously the opposition is much better this week in Florida state, but um, these aren't stats of a typical Florida state offense um, or defense, especially from an efficiency standpoint, their rushing in particular has been atrocious. I think they're averaging 72 yards per game, um, which is putting a lot of pressure on, freshman quarterback uh you know you, you think that jock patrick or cam Akers would be able to get it going um but I, I think everybody's struggling so far with uh missing time due to i think they missed a week of practice due to irma they've only played two games and uh yeah, they played two very very good defenses in alabama and nc state and now they've faced another good defense in wake forest what what do you think the biggest um I guess the biggest factor in this weekend will be if you have to look at one thing that will d- help determine whether or not Wake Forest wins or loses this football game. 
Yeah, I think, and you know, this sort of answers uh, with Harwood's question. He does a great job on the on the BSD re- recruit report, and I would say, if and I'm going to cheat a little bit, he, he's wondering what's going to happen. I would say, if Wake Forest is to win this down to the, the finishing drive stat, as you mentioned, and and I think you know we cannot be content with field goals. If if we get fourth and two inside the ten, uh, we got we got to be going for that first down. Um, same thing if we get fourth and one. Or around midfield or so, we cannot play to be close. They have they have a tremendous amount of talent, um, and and we are going to have to find a way uh, to put seven on the board if we get that close. Um, so I think it's going to be all about you know how well do we convert on those money downs on third down to at least help us get you know better field position. There are sometimes if it's fourth and eight, go ahead and punt. Uh, but we're going to have to convert those fourth downs. We're going to have to get the stops hold them to field goals, um, and I think, you know, honestly, we cannot kill ourselves uh, with those full starts as, as we discussed. Uh, we were able to get away with it, again, a little bit on um, on Saturday, but I thought a big reason that, that we were able to um, come away with a victory over App State was they had some terribly untimely penalties uh, that pushed them out of, out, of, um, out of field position. So we have to capitalize when we get close. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think the finishing drives will matter. And Wake Forest has done a very, very good job so far this year of not allowing the big play. We allowed, I guess, two last weekend's App State, but we still ranked 21st in the country in not allowing the big play. Uh, And we've gotten a little better on offense, too, of hitting the big play, which I know four or five years ago was a laughable concept where we had, like, two plays over 30 yards the entire season. So we're only going up from that. Um, Here's a final question, I guess, that we also received coming in from Ned. uh, WFU Sports Stats tweeted, rank Saturday's game in terms of the biggest in the 2010s. Um, and obviously, we kind of took three or four years off of football as far as big games. <laughs> um, getting from Grubbs last year to, I guess, Clawson's second or third year, basically last year. Um, is this the biggest game in the 2000s uh, since, I guess, 2010? I mean, I, I'm trying to think of another one. I guess we had Clemson in 2011 in Death Valley where – if we had won that, we would have gone to, I guess, the ACC championship game. So that would have to be bigger than this one. But as far as uh, national TV, ABC, 330, a Wake Forest team that's 4-0 taking on a winless Florida State, this is a big chance for Wake Forest to make a name for itself on a national stage, get to 5-0, and and then get into a nationally ranked game um, at noon on national TV again against Clemson next uh, weekend at noon. What, what, what do you think – where's this game ranked in your mind, Rob? Yeah, I would say it's the biggest since at least probably 2011. Again, you talked about that Clemson game um, was big, though I don't know if we knew at the time if it exactly had the the ramifications that that it did. Um, you, you know, the Notre Dame game was, was was huge, obviously that year as well. Same with you know the Virginia Tech night game, or, or honestly maybe the last time we played Florida State through that year. So I think a number of, of choices that year, um, but I think you know. Bottom line, this is a, a massively big game for our program. Four and zero opportunity on on ABC, um, and it you know this is Clawson's first opportunity to get a true signature win. We did beat a ranked team last year in Temple, though it, it was the Military Bowl. But if you're, I, I don't care if Florida State's zero two, they're going to end up with a good schedule. If, if you're able to beat Florida State on ABC, everybody watching, um, this will elevate Clawson's recruiting even to another level. 
um, and would almost guarantee a, a bull berth this year. So he'd be able to keep riding that momentum. So uh, I think this thing could do absolutely wonders for our program. Uh, big spot, big opportunity for the Beaks uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I think the combination of national TV, what it means for next week, because we would headed probably be a top 20 team headed into Clemson. We get that number next to our name. Um, that, that means they're going to talk about us. We're playing the defending national championship champions down in their place. Um, on either ESPN, ABC, ESPN2. And I'm guessing if Clemson beats Virginia Tech and we're able to get to 5-0 and beat um, uh, Florida State this weekend, that'll probably get the national ABC game at noon. Uh, Back-to-back national TV games when Wake is actually relevant and it's not just um, the the other name. And obviously Clemson-Florida State are helping drive that. But that's very rare. I I can't remember the last time that happened. Um, And I think the combination of just recruiting what it could mean, getting to 5-0 for the first time since 06, winning six straight games for the first time since 07, and and what it would set up for the next week, it it makes it absolutely – massive and, and this, this is a game the students have to come out for we've got to sell this place out and get a big crowd there it has to be loud and I know App State has a ton more students than Wake does but they were extremely impressive last week and uh, I, I was a little jealous uh, based on what uh, what their crowd was and I, I kind of want to see that for Wake um, but we're coming right up on it here Rob uh, do, do you have any last second thoughts before we uh, sign off here in about 20 seconds yeah, I guess just just to, just to that point, we got a 25-30% chance to win according to the stats. That, that's a very realistic chance to pull off this upset. Going to be tough, but definitely have a really good chance. Encourage everybody to get out there on Saturday and cheer on the Deke. Absolutely. I hope everybody has a great time, enjoyed the podcast, and as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks.